Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 166 of the Apple Law Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Bose All Natural Brewing. They have a beer there. I'm going to talk about one, one only. It's the Mighty Lug Tread beer. It's crisp, balanced, and refreshing. Lug Tread is a lagered ale. It's a term they coined. It's fermented like an ale and cold aged like a lager. It's been Bose's flagship brand since they opened in 2006. And as of 2018, it's now available in 355 milliliter cans for the first time. And it's won more than 20 awards. Check out Bose. Every time, every time we do the show, we always, uh, I always talk about Bose. And Bose is probably one of the best beer companies we have in Canada. I, I have to admit that. They uh, started from punk rock. And uh, they have a lot of punk rock people working there. A lot of good friends working there as well. So go to Bose.ca and check out more of the great products they have. They, they release a lot of brands of beer. And they're really, really yummy beers. Amazon shoppers, please, please do this. Go to appalock.ca slash Amazon or appalock.ca slash US Amazon if you want to shop on Amazon. And then when you go, you will be supporting the show. It'll take you straight to Amazon and you will be supporting the show every time you shop on Amazon. Use those links. If you want to do it the old-fashioned way, go to appalock.ca and click on the banners located on the right side. Uh, look at your country, Canada, USA, UK. And check out the links. Same thing. Shop cost no your money. If you want to support my show on a on a monthly basis, go to patreon.com slash apologue. Pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees. And one day, I'm going to take all the money made. It's been three years with my patrons, and I'm going to take it all. And I'm going to fly somewhere, and I'm going to do a podcast with somebody in another country. That's where I'm saving up all the money. So it's not actually for... Um, hosting and gas fees because that's what you know that's what my money does but i'm going to try and take all this money i'm going to make something good out of it okay so go to patreon.com slash apologue and i might come to a town and, and interview you or somebody you can cancel at any time that too by the way go to apologue.ca slash shop to buy a t-shirt buy some music there is is uh, my band foursquare they have the whole discography there for 20 dollars 20 bucks for 20 years of work there you go Hey, uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Give it five stars, please. Like the show on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Pod, And follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. I am super stoked for today. Today, I, I don't know, I think I sort of gush a little bit in the interview. Today is Eben Upton, who is the founder and creator of the Raspberry Pi. And some of you might not know what the Raspberry Pi is, but... I would imagine that all of you somehow have been in contact or interfaced with the Raspberry Pi and you didn't even know it. The Raspberry Pi is a credit card sized computer that y it runs a very simple operating system. And it, what it also does is it allows you to, you can do whatever you want. You can play in this little computer world. You can do it. It's not limited like an Apple computer or like a Windows computer even. But this is such a great machine to play with and learn about coding. It's the Raspberry Pi. And this is Eben Upton. And he is one of the important people in England when it comes to creating tech. And here he is, Eben Upton, on the Apple Podcast. Well, the very first thing that I got to say is uh, there's two things that I really enjoy 
I enjoy music. I enjoy playing it, but I also enjoy the mysteries of tech. <laughs> and that's um, I have a healthy um appreciation of tech, and as well as a, a healthy fear of it. As you can see, I'm surrounded by all sorts of technical things. You've got an incredible kind of man cave going on there. Yeah, it's only the one corner though. The other part's the TV and where all the other people hang out. But uh, thank you. I like I said, I have a very such a. A lot of people go through life and don't understand what's actually on the other side of the screen. They 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 look at things and go, it works, and that's sort of how it started the whole Raspberry Pi project, right? Mm. Well, yeah, absolutely. That we've we've gone from a we've gone from a world of people who, um, you know, people of my age, I guess, who um, uh, who grew up with machines so primitive that you had to have some idea of what they of how they worked in order to use them to a world of devices that are so advanced that you can treat them effect, basically as functional magic. You know, these things, you know, this is the old Arthur C. Clarke, uh, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, and we have sufficiently advanced technology these days. And that's that's great for the users. I mean, I, I mean, we have to remember that back when I was using computers in the 1980s, only a very small fraction of people were able to get any value out of computers because they were so hard to use. Um, so, so for for in many, many, many ways, the kind of functional magic element of, of modern computing is very positive. What it does mean, though, is that we don't get that kind of free overspill of people who end up becoming engineers, learning about engineering principles, uh, because they've had to in order to get value out of machines. And really, Raspberry Pi is that kind of, is there a different setting to the dial? If the dial used to be set to 1 and now it's set to 11, can we set the dial to 8 and get something which is still a very usable general purpose computer and very, very straightforward for people like her to get started with? Yeah. My daughter started with, um, uh, but um, that, that maybe recapture a little bit of that kind of bootstrapping uh, that we had in the eighties. Absolutely, the 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 effect that I mean, I, I obviously did some a little bit of research on on your interviews before, and you'd say things like, "Well, you have a, a huge number of people coming in for for school to to learn, and then all of a sudden it would start dropping, 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 dropping until it turned into about half the the amount of um, people applying." Now, the big the big up now is user interface development. That's a uh, as we grow older, we need to have fatter buttons to put our bigger fatter fingers on and our older fingers and we have to think not just like a baby but like an old person so <laughs> well it's like that thing about you know there's the the you know the what, what creature walks on four legs in the uh, what creature walks on four legs in the morning and two legs at lunchtime and then three legs in the evening <laughs> um and yeah yeah maybe there is this kind of list this little optimum bit in the middle uh there's this optimum. there's a douglas adams douglas adams had all this saying about you know how any any technology that existed um before you comes along before you're 25 uh, anything that exists uh, when you when you um, before you're you you come of age before you're sort of twenty um, is just the way the world is, and anything that comes along before you're twenty five is super exciting and new, and anything that comes along after twenty five is the devil's work. And, and is, <laughs> it's yeah, well, yeah. So there's that question of are we are we designing are we, you know are we designing you know we're designing things 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 for young young people or young people or old people. But it's certainly, you know, we've always described the Raspberry Pi as being a toy for children of all ages. And that really is all ages. And and so, you know, the one of the exciting things for me is is that it's not just young people who are uh, having fun with Raspberry Pi, old people. And you see people kind of reconnecting. There are maybe people who were a product of the 1980s. There's like kind of a lot, a generation of people who had some experience with these machines in the 1980s, kind of went away from it. And, and so for me, as you know, somebody who, who came out of that time, 
one of the most satisfying kinds of email I get is from someone who's 40 years old and says, this has been my vehicle back in to something that I used to be very passionate about and then have kind of like veered away from over, over time. Yeah, the dangerous part is that technology got that grew too fast and people were sort of stuck in a, in a, in a rut of, you're right, because hardware, I mean, hardware grew so fast between the 90s into the mid-2000s that it, it almost outgrew what software was doing. You know, so the software, it used to be like, uh, I got to wait for my software to catch up to what my hardware can only do. And then it's turned around to the other way around now where the hardware is actually super fast, hence Mm. leaving the people behind about having to tinker and all that. Yeah, well, you know, there's always this, you know, we're kind of in an interesting time, of course, because for a long time, the the very rapid improvement in in hardware performance kind of demotivated software efficiency. Um, You know, the the payoff for producing efficient software is actually very low because you could just wait two years and your computer would be twice as fast, your your same old software would run twice as fast. I think we're kind of in an interesting time now, both because some of that hardware hardware performance increases has slowed down, the increases certainly in single-threaded CPU performance basically has tapered off almost to nothing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the uh, and also people are trying to run uh, software on lower cost, uh, lower performance platforms uh, like something like the original Raspberry Pi. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has that's, that's kind of one of the lovely things as a software engineer. I mean, I do a lot of hardware now, but as a software engineer originally, um, you know, it's, it's it's really heartening to see you know software optimization becoming a thing again. You know, we have people who we pay to crawl over lines of assembly language looking for places where the assembly language is causing the processor to stall um, and changing the assembly language so the processor doesn't stall anymore. And that's super exciting, right? Yeah, I guess the new Apple, whatever the whatever they call Swift, they've figured out. Hmm. But is that a quick is that a quick way? Is it still working in the background when you type in a command that's simplified? Does it still recreate the complicated? string of of information or is that only they've had they've they've just been able to paraphrase what's happening so i don't i don't i don't honestly i don't honestly know um i think that's that's outside my uh outside my rapidly shrinking domain of competence i think Uh, it's one of the, um, of course, you know, talking about talking about some good things about Raspberry Pi. One of the downsides is I spend so much time now running the Raspberry Pi the business that I actually get surprisingly little time to actually do engineering anymore. I get surprisingly little time to kind of hack on this. We've made the ultimate toy, uh, and lots of people getting wonderful experiences out of the ultimate toy. But you know, I, I have to keep the business running, so there are ultimate toys, uh, yes. and that takes away from, that takes away from hacking time. You can Google for it. Um, Welcome back. We had a we had a baby issue. <laughs> Yeah, just a little baby is. Little baby. So, you're, are you father of two or of one? A father of one. Yeah. Um, father of one at the moment. This is our, our first. She's eight months old. Um, and she has completely changed our lives, I guess, in the way that people always say they will. Uh, nobody ever believes it until it happens. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she's um, Afra Patricia Sonia Upton. Oh. I uh, I have two, and our first our, our first is our oldest is fourteen, and mm-hmm. when uh, we had him, I found myself looking three times across the street and driving a little slower, and had yeah. it, I had a whole different perspective of what you know uh, selflessness well, this, can be yeah. and selfishness is. <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear. You. Cool. So okay, back into it. Um, so you started Raspberry Pi to. We're going to recap because I forgot where we left off. Um, you started Raspberry Pi to start with the young, the young as well as the old, um, yeah. for the young to sort of get into it for early coding purposes, as well as the old to sort of reinvent sort of themselves into this community. 
Yeah, and I mean, the, I guess the older people doing it is a surprise. Was a surprise to us originally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it's actually kind of a core part of what we do now, and the kind of a core part of our community is kind of older people. I guess our earliest customers were older, you know, were people of my sort of age, people in their, in their 30s to 50s, mm-hmm. um, who were, so, you know, when we, you know, we sold 100,000 Raspberry Pis on the first day, um, and those didn't sell to kids, right? <laughs> those went to people like us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we, uh, but, you know, those people have been kind of the backbone all the way through, so the kind of knowledgeable adults have been the backbone of the kind of hobbyist community around Raspberry Pi. And then this phenomenon where older people who are less knowledgeable have used it as a way of getting back involved with, who had maybe been involved with computing, and mm-hmm. using it as a way of getting back into computing has been a, um, it's been a great thing. And it probably shouldn't have been a surprise because you know we we pattern ourselves after the BBC Micro, you know, the kind of great computer of the nineteen eighties in the UK, um, and that was a government that came out of a government project, um, which I always saw as having been about children and education. Um, but actually, when you go back and read about it, um, a lot of it was about adults and education because, you know, we had this, I think in the 1980s, these kind of sunset heavy manual industries um, where people were, you know, people were being thrown out of work. Um, and there's, the, the, you know, the BBC Micro, there was a, a very strong accent on reskilling um, older people and giving people, giving people new skills midway through their lives. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of even in that, you know, even though we didn't intend to, even in that, we kind of find ourselves recapping some of the uh, some of the kind of the, the deep history of, of, of computing education in the UK. Mm-hmm. And when yeah, hundred thousand. I mean, you started the company, like you said. And were you ever expect? I guess you weren't expecting to have <laughs> such a huge explosion um, with with when technology was like, give me something simple to use. Uh, and and that was sort of like you filled a pocket and a hole in a niche of of a, of a of a bunch of people like thirsty. Did you did you have any sort of preconception? Did anybody say it would be a great idea if, or was this all your group of guys you got together to say we should do this? Yeah, I mean, I think I mean it's, the whole thing has been a surprise, continues to be a surprise. The number we sell today is mm-hmm. is still amazing to me. Um, but the um, I mean, I think we've been successful because we. We make stuff we want. You know, we make stuff for ourselves uh, to a great degree, actually. You know, I mean, these are these are kind of educational products, but they're also products we find exciting. And I, I mentioned, you know, I find it kind of disappointing that I don't get to play with the Raspberry Pi as much as I would like to. And in large part, that's because because it's a fun. I, I, I regret not playing with it because it's a product I'd really like to play with. Um, and I think you know, some of the best companies uh, are companies that come out of making stuff. There's a way that it, it can be tempting for companies to design products by going and asking their users what they think they're asking their users or their potential users what they would like, um, and so there's a kind of there are kind of mechanistic ways for people to um, to, to design products. Um, and the problem with those is that you, you there's a risk you design a product that exactly zero people want. Um, yeah, it's very easy. You know, if you, you go through a kind of traditional marketing approach where you kind of kind of evaluate the market. You 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 pre, you make a product which kind of interpolates, which is part way between some products that people would like, but there's no actual one person who would like your, your product. Um, and the nice thing about making a product that you want is it guarantees you at least one person will want your product. Um, you know that you're you know you're absolutely down. And and of course you know when you're lucky and and uh, I think we have been with Raspberry Pi, you find there are a lot of people like you. There are a lot of people like like yourself who 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 find this device useful. Um, so yeah, we're we're but we're always amazed by the 
by the scale of the demand and the scale of the sort of passion that people have for it. You know, yeah. people people love the Raspberry Pi, yeah. and, and and you know, it puts a. I mean, it's great. It puts a burden on you to keep <laughs> try to keep doing it right. Um, yeah. But it's it's wonderful, and of course, it's helped us. You know, these these adults who are particularly the adults who are interested in Raspberry Pi are. They're, they're the people who've kind of pushed the educational mission forward in the end because they're the people who volunteer at schools and, and yeah, some of their parents, some of them teachers, some of them volunteer. Um, and that they and even the ones who don't do any of those things, often what they'll do is they'll they'll do a cool project and they'll write it up online and then a child or a teacher will find that project and use it as, as inspiration. So yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, that's that's been that's been surprising and awesome. Yeah, you know, it's tough to sort of look back and say in hindsight, this was a good idea and people loved it and you know it's easy to say it i mean but it's hard to say why you know and part of you know part of me thinks is in a society where we're told kind of how to think and what to do when it comes to our iphones and our android devices and not knowing what's going like we were earlier talking about what's going on behind the screen is that people have that there's that sort of kernel that knowledge that people want to know Back at the back of their head, even if they don't really want to know it, they want to know. A lot of people say, "Oh, that's this is magic. That's where the magic happens," you know. And I, I was speaking to a record producer a couple of weeks ago about he started off as a computer uh, engineer before he actually got into record producing, and he had this sort of like, "I want to know exactly why it's doing these things, so then I can fix it or understand what it's doing." And I yeah. think we all have that sort of knowledge, but because it's so broad and so vast to be able to sort of put it into an actual sentence as to why it's your computer is doing X, Y, or Z. The Raspberry Pi opened it up to say, well, here's the simplistic way of looking at something. And it doesn't need to be the super fastest computer in the world. It just needs to do what you want it to do. And a lot of people sort of got onto that when it came to industry, like the Kodi box. And there's also, I mean, the most amazing things are being invented on your machine. It's it's uh, like, it, you know, everything, anything under the sun. And that's the simplicity. It's it's I mean it's interesting, you know, you were mentioning the, the, the device behind your behind your, your monitor there. Um we, we do a lot of looking behind stuff now. It's amazing if you go out in the world and you look behind stuff, um, <laughs> there's a lot of Raspberry Pis. Yeah. <laughs> it's like behind the whole world behind the world is just a, you know, you've got theme parks now. You know, I've seen pictures from there's a Harry Potter themed um, theme park in the UK, or it might be the one that they opened when they re- refurbed um, Universal in Florida. Um, and it has a queue, you know, if you're at this point of the queue, you're waiting, you will be waiting for 55 minutes. Yeah. Um, and it was actually the touchscreen display that you mentioned. Um, it was one of those, and it crashed. And it was today, um, yeah, it's it rebooted, and it was sat there at the Raspberry Pi desktop. Um, with with just there in the middle of there um, in the middle of the wizarding world of Harry Potter, um, so yeah, you know, there's there's it's it, the things that people invent with Raspberry Pi never never cease to amaze us. And the people who use Raspberry Pi in production environments, and one of the things we've discovered is that um, there's a world of kind of industrial quality computers, um, the, the sort of soit disant industrial quality computers, um, which are turn out to be both much more expensive and much less reliable yeah, than a Raspberry Pi. Um, and, and a lot of that's to do with the volumes. You know, if we just make, you know, if we make a new Raspberry Pi, um, when we launch a new product. If. We'll, yeah, if. <laughs> if we ever launch a new product. Well, when we've launched products in the past. Yeah. Um, we, um, we make about 10,000 of them as our production prototype run. So you're building 10,000 units just to see if it'll work. Like, you know, there are there are industrial, serious industrial single board computers where ten thousand units is their annual production run, and that's important because um, co- reliability and quality come from volume. 
Um, if you make enough of something, then, you know, a one part per million, you know, we worry about 50 parts per million, 10 parts, 20 parts per million, 10 parts per million defects. Um, and you worry about those when you're making millions of years. Um, so, 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 you know, volume and time in the market turns into, uh, turns into quality. Um, and that means that, you know, we start to see people using Raspberry Pi in these very hardcore production environments now. Um, you know, you've got people sticking these things in factories, you've got people embedding them into other products, you've got people using them in automotive environments, uh, you've got people using them in, in all sorts of in all sorts of kind of cool places. Um, and that's always fun. And people, I mean, if, they've got, if I've got a regret about that, you know, all these things seem to come, you know, happy thing and regret. If I have a regret about that, it's because they've become so ubiquitous that, um, people don't even talk about it now. So uh, we don't even know where all the Raspberry Pis are. We see, you know, we can watch them selling. And so we'll see 10,000 Raspberry Pis ordered by somebody we've never heard of. And they disappear and you never hear from them again. Um, they fall down a hole in the ground. Um, and obviously they've been embedded into a product or they're sitting in a factory running some industrial process. And I'd love it one day if one of these people, you know, sometimes people do talk about it, generally when they have compliance challenges, you know, when they want our help getting SEC compliance. Um, but I wish some of these, more of these people would talk to us about what they're doing with the Raspberry Pis because I, you know, I just have this sense of them being out there in the world and, and I, that I only know maybe 1% um, of, of what's being done with them. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people would try to make them into, Bit miners, Bitcoin mining, which is obviously we've gone to that point now where it's a little beyond what any normal computer can do now to, to do but that sort of thing. We use them as cheap, as cheap, effectively cheap supplies of USB hubs. Yeah, because um, you know when you if you do ASIC Bitcoin mining, you need something to plug the you know your little USB ASIC dongles. You know you need something to plug those into, um, and it's worthwhile. There's a worthwhile cost and power saving available from plugging those things into a, a Raspberry Pi instead of a PC. Yeah. Um, so so you know even even the esoteric world of Bitcoin mining. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, were you always sort of an entrepreneur in this sense uh, when it came to like inventing? Did you have like a lemonade stand on your on, on, on your driveway, or was this sort of something you've always? Did you grow into this? I um, I always wanted to be. Yeah. Um, I used to stand at the station when I was a kid and watch the business people go past um, with their suitcases, their briefcases, and um, with suits and briefcases and stuff to do. I don't own, I do own a suit because occasionally I have to go to a wedding. Um, and, um, uh, I don't own a, um, a briefcase. Um, but I always had this kind of idea that it would be cool to be a business person, somewhere to go in a hurry in a briefcase. <laughs> uh, and, um, there was a TV show in, um, it's pathetic, really. There was a TV show called Bergerac, um, in the, in the UK about a policeman turned private detective. Um, in uh, one of the Channel Islands, Guernsey, Guernsey or Jersey, one of them. Mm -hmm. um, and um, he, uh, he, one of the minor characters in this was a, um, I think his father-in-law in the in the series was a guy called Charlie Hungerford, who was a kind of a somewhat crooked businessman, uh, sort of a second-hand car dealer kind of kind of character, um, and um, into lots of sort of shady business. And I just used to love. I, I used to watch Bergerac because I liked Charlie Hungerford. I like I like the businessman character. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've always wanted to do it. I didn't have a lemonade stand as a kid. Um, I, I spent all my time writing computer games. I wanted to make money out of writing computer software, um, but I, I didn't make a lot of money when I was a kid. Um, yeah. But I, I did. I mean, I started my first real company when I was twenty. Um, that was a games company that's still run, still running actually. 
um, although I've sold all my sold all my shares in it. Um, but I've always wanted to do this stuff, um, and, and so I guess you know, Raspberry Pi's a Raspberry Pi's my third. Raspberry Pi is my third thing. Mm-hmm. So along the uh, way, do you learn things, or is it sort of the same model, or you have to sort of readjust everything as you go along? I mean, especially with yeah, Raspberry Pi, how it's working. Yeah, you, you learn things. You learn what not to do, I guess. Um, I have an MBA. Um, and um, the fun thing with the MBA is that, you know, it doesn't really teach you anything. Mm-hmm. You couldn't um, by screwing up a thousand times, but mm-hmm. it does skip a few of the screw-ups. So, um, you know, I guess the combination of doing a couple of businesses, I did a did Works, my first company. Mm-hmm. Um, then I did... Um, couple of other games, multimedia companies. Um, and then I did a, um, I did an MBA and I did a Raspberry Pi. Uh, and all of those things teach you either by screwing up or by doing the MBA, which purports to um, give you a shortcut around some of the screw-ups. Okay. You learn something from all of them. Yeah, yeah. I was speaking to um, the, the Chris Ashworth who invented QLab, which is a Mac based um, audio file playing software. And he built the software out of necessity. You know, he sort of did it as a nights and weekends approach, you know. So um, <clears throat> so when you, because you went for Broadcom, right? And that was based? Uh, yes. When What era was that around? Um, from 2006 on. Yeah. And that's how you got um, the chip and, and everything. And you sort of understood yeah, how the chip. Yeah. So so, so the, 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 um, the, the chip is a, is a broad, the chips. Yeah. The, Three chips we've used: twenty-eight thirty-five, twenty-eight thirty-six, and twenty-eight thirty-seven uh, are all Broadcom application processors that um, I and a bunch of my buddies were involved in uh, designing back in the day, back mm-hmm. in two thousand and eight, I guess twenty-eight thirty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but yeah, they're lovely chips, actually. Um, there's, there's something nice about building a product on a chip. You'd, hardly anyone ever gets to do that all the way through, right? Um, write RTL and, in a chip and have it synthesized from a software for the chip and then make a product based on the chip which you sell. Um, right. Hardly anyone gets that kind of soup to nuts kind of experience of, uh, of, of computing anymore, or indeed ever. Really. Right. I mean, even back in the day, you know, um, you know, people were using 6502s and uh, um, Z80s and, and, and 8080s and stuff in that in there products they weren't making the chips they were they were, they were buying the chips yeah so that's kind of a, it's kind of fun although it's two organizations raspberry pi and Brooklyn, not the same organization um a lot of the same people are involved in both yeah so when you so when you first designed it i saw the very first prototype you show it on an, in an interview it's like basically uh it's like soldered together kind of <laughs> a little box and and i mean it is kind of historical because you've you've invented something in a way that i mean you you hold the, the now you hold the record for largest the most or what is it the most amount of sold computers out of the UK? Yeah, we I think we're the biggest UK computer company ever. Um, we are the third largest, third best selling general purpose computing platform in history after the PC and the Mac. If you count those as separate platforms, that's that's wow. that's an amazing. You know what I mean? Like, it's pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I think it's. Um, I think it's a nice, um, it's a nice place to be, um, and um, we overtook the Commodore sixty four yeah. um, about a year ago, um, and we are, yeah, it's a strange, it's a weird place to be. Yeah, when you, I mean, when you become somebody who's 
uh, I mean, it happens in the music industry all the time where people sort of luck out. You know what I mean? They, they call, luck out is a, is a sort of broad statement, but in, in a chance, in, in a sense, it is. You know, you're kind of like you throw something at the bunch of people, and they go, oh, "I like this," or "I don't like it." And it's if it's a good idea, it sort of um, it sticks. And that's sort of the other way of looking at it is, is when you were talking earlier before about sort of marketing and developing a plan and speaking to customers and developing something based around that sort of circle of, of thing. The most successful things are the things that happen because people want it, not because people were asked, what do you need? And then here is something that kind of does what you need to do. I mean, that's what the Windows platform is in a sense, really. I mean, like... They keep asking, what, what do you want? And then they keep, we want it to look like a Mac. <laughs> and then, you know, and then eventually it's, it sort of looks like a Mac. But, you know, when you give something to a, a bunch of people, in a sense, an idea, and you're giving them an idea to, 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 for their brains to think differently. And that's, that's, that's an amazing, you know, thing to, to, to think about in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, 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 just, it's kind of a... It's, it's, I don't know how to put it in the words, really. There is just that sense that um, there are – the luck is really important, right? Um, uh, people uh, – a question I get asked a lot um, uh, is what lessons should people draw from Raspberry Pi? What lessons? I, you know, I'm a tech entrepreneur, and I, I want to be successful like Raspberry Pi. Um, uh, uh, how, how should I do it? And, and I mean, you know, there's been some wonderful execution. I mean, I think the – I think there's a uh, – you know, if there is a piece of advice, it's about execution and it's about you know just being good at stuff, right? Uh, and you know, hiring good people. Yeah, you know, we have an amazing team of people. Not just ridiculous engineering team and commercial team and publishing team. Um, but by and large, ninety. Well, um, that that lets you win once you've got yourself a t- a, a, a token, a ticket in the game. Um, getting a ticket in the game is really hard, and you get a ticket in the game by being lucky. And so, kind of the the core advice for people: how, do, how should I be like Raspberry Pi? Well, be lucky, like we were. Um, you just know, keep working at product. it. You know, keep working, keep doing things. Yeah. Well, keep doing things, and yeah. I mean that will maximize your chance. If you do one, if you do one ten things, you know, you buy lottery tickets, basically. Yeah. Um, but you know, obviously, once you've got lucky, you know, you can still throw it away. You know, that you, you look at the history of computers, and there are a lot of companies that got themselves unassailable market positions and then threw it, threw it away through incompetence. Uh, so you've got to be good once you've got your ticket, but um, yeah, the 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 idea that you can somehow that there's some kind of algorithm, some kind of handle turning algorithm which will which will spit out a Raspberry Pi, uh, a Raspberry Pi like business is I don't think is I don't think is realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, be lucky. Be lucky. Yeah. What What do you say about all that? There's a bunch of copycats out there with like same. Uh, I mean, yeah. like how do you how do you attach yourself to that? Is it a form of flattery when you? Oh, it's always a form of flattery. Um, the the well, we don't spend a lot of time looking at other computers in this area. What we what we what we are quite pleased about is that there weren't computers like Raspberry Pi before we did Raspberry Pi. There were single board computers and there were single board ARM-based computers. Um, I mean, BeagleBoard, I guess, is the, the kind of classic. Um, so a hundred and some dollars. Um, and, and, yeah, that was that was very popular and very influential. Um, I think what we did was we showed that you could do this much more cheaply. Yeah. So we showed that you could do this um, at sort of the $30, $25, $35. Uh, and there, obviously, as you say, there are a number of other people trying to do similar things now. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anything that I find particularly 
intimidating. I'm not seeing anything particularly intimidating yet. But like I say, we don't spend a lot of time looking at it because we're we're not looking over our shoulder all the time at people. You know, we're we're, we're trying to figure out what we do to make what we've got better. Um, and that's probably because we don't do anything about what other people do. Um, yeah. We can just try to make that thing good. Yeah. And right now, that's the software for for the first few years of Raspberry Pi. That was largely software work. Uh, then we have this kind of burst of Raspberry Pi two, Raspberry Pi three. Um, uh, you know, it's kind of two really revolutionary products in quick succession. Um, and then um, uh, back to software work at the moment. So a lot of what we do right now is is trying to squeeze more. Now we have Raspberry Pi three, which is a very static platform um, in terms of hardware. Um, how do we squeeze a bit more performance, a bit more usability, a bit more functionality um, out of that platform by doing software work? And software work, we love, we love doing software work, A, because software engineer, um, but um, B, because if we, you know, the software image we released in, I'll tell you, I'll just tell you when, when our software release dates from. Last, when was the last Raspbian release? November 2017. So we released... Uh, an operating system release on the 29th of November, uh, 20, 29th of November, twenty seventeen. That will run on every Raspberry Pi that was ever made, <laughs> even though even the early early ones, right? Yeah, I'll run on that little one that you've got the the, the two thousand. Uh, I mean, it'll struggle a bit on the sure. on the two five six meg variants. You know, it'll you know, you're not going to run Chromium on two, very well on a two five six Pi. It'll swap, um, but it'll run on everything. Um, and that's really important because that means you know if we invest a dollar in if we invest a dollar in new hardware, it only helps the people who buy the new hardware. If we don't invest a dollar in um, uh, software work, it helps everybody who ever bought a Raspberry Pi, um, and that's really important. It must be terribly difficult because the operating system that you put out in November is is it's like a it's like a real computer. You know what I mean? Like yeah, take that in the spirit. Like it's like a real computer, but. But the, the, it must be a tearing because you still want to keep that open box sense of it in the sandbox kind of feel to it. So that line between making things simplistic and, and then making things, uh, I guess, um, challenging when you like go over little hurdles and learn things along the way. Because I yeah. tell you, man, back in 2000 and whatever, 12, when I'm trying to, I know nothing. I know nothing about anything. But I, it really made me go out and learn things that I didn't know before. So we maybe, had plenty of hurdles. We had a good supply of hurdles back in 2012. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, just getting that sound card to work and, and, and yeah. to make it work for me. I mean, that to me was the eureka moment was like when it worked, it was definitely like a fists in the air. Yeah, I fixed it. And you, know, well, you, you want to give people that because that's kind of like the endorphins that keep you going. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then, the, the, I mean, I think maybe I'm, maybe I answered this for you, but man, I think getting to the easier, getting to the, like the, the apps that you provide on the Pi, like the Python and the node red and Mathematica and all that things getting there faster, I think is maybe an easier solution for learning. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so, so I think there's a, there's always that battle idea of a dial, right. That's set somewhere. And do we, have we set it right? Um, a big dial marked usability, mm -hmm. um, and or um, smoothness or something, uh, and that you've gone from a world of setting the dial to one with your BBC Micro or your maybe your ZX81 sets it to one. BBC Micro sets it to two, and that seems amazing at the time. A Commodore Amiga sets it to four by now, you know, um, uh, and now they're sort they're all set to eleven. All the platforms are set to eleven, particularly the mobile phone type platforms, tablet type platforms. They're all set to Really, don't think about what's in the box. Mm -hmm. um, 
and where we should set the dial. And I think what we've probably seen us move the dial from seven to eight uh, over the course six to seven to eight over the course of the of the um, of the project. Um, and I think that that's good. But there's always a debate whenever we do it. Um, I mean, there was a big debate about um, whether we should boot by default into a graphical desktop because we didn't originally. We originally, yeah. as you remember, we used to boot just to the command prompt. You had to type startx yep. if you wanted a graphical desktop. Um, that was a there was a hard fought. Hard-fought battle. Um, <laughs> I can't even remember what side I was on. Uh, <laughs> you know, it tells t- tells you a bit about how I try tried to run Raspberry Pi. Like, what side I was on? The fact that one side one doesn't imply that was the side I was on. Sure. Um, I do what I'm told after a while. Um, but the um, uh, that was one. Another one was: should we disable SSH by default? So until very recently, really, too recently. Um, until end of 2016, we had SSH port open on the Pi with the username Pi and password Raspberry um, by default. Um, and then we, <laughs> and then it became apparent that people had noticed this, and you started to get botnets that you know when they do their port scans, they one of the things they look for is they try and log in on port 23 and, and, and log in as Pi and Raspberry and install their, their their malware onto you. Okay. And of course, the, the assumption was that you know our, our users are technically savvy users uh, and um, if you're on a private trusted network that does, if you're in a trusted network segment that doesn't have, you know, doesn't have anything bad on it, um, enabling SSH by default is a really sensible thing to do, right? Because mm-hmm. it allows you, you can plug it in headless and SSH into it and configure it. Um, you know, you find out what its IP address is, maybe from the tables on your router, um, and then just, um, and there were even applications which would blink the um, the, the IP address in on the, the status LED, would blink the status LED to tell you in Morse code, what the IP address of the device was, so you can plug it in and it would blink out, it would blink it out. You, as long as you can read Morse code, you can, you can find out what, what the IP address, <laughs> uh, which is kind of cool, right? Yeah. Um, but um, they, um, of course, um, uh, people were plugging these into the public internet, um, and they were getting owned, or they're plugging them into networks that had compromised devices on. They were getting owned. Um, so we um, we turned off SSH by default. But again, there was a big debate about that and for the longest time actually i was very firmly on the let's leave ssh on don't mess with the power users because i've got a lot of respect for our power users right yeah. don't, mess with the power, don't annoy the power users um and um in the end i, I was I, I was i was argued out of it um we turned it off and it was the right thing to do so there's always that you know where do you set the dial uh, and where you set the dial, where you should set the dial in 2012 is not the same as where you should set the dial in 20, 2017, 2018. Yeah, people were just locking down their uh, uh, Wi-Fi um, <laughs> in 2012. Yeah. yeah, that's it. So, so you know, but both the world has evolved and we've evolved, and our user base has evolved. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's. So I think we. Are, I'm kind of happy that we're in a good place because we're. What's always felt important to me, above anything else, regardless of how you boot or whether you enable what ports you leave open, um, is that you ship with all the tools built in. Yeah, yeah. Well, and plus, it's your, I mean, it's kind of like, it's your baby. I mean, if you choose as your, it's so, it's it's interesting when a company starts kowtowing to the, to the, to the customer, it's funny how the customer can kind of mess up the 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 vision you know and and in your vision is you know obviously very it's 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 steadfast and that's what you're going to go through and that's fine but you must get a lot of pushback from a lot of users saying you know you know we we get sometimes people impute to us values that we don't hold 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some values around openness, uh, yeah. around um, you know the the you know the openness of the design, the openness of some of the pieces of software on the design. That that there have been periods where there've been a little dissonance, not like not entire user community, but between there've been there have been people in our community who've been surprised to discover that we don't share all of their values, mm-hmm. um, and that in particular around openness, we, we we're much we're much keener on what works. We're much more pragmatic um, than. than uh, we're on the pragmatic side. It's somewhat uh, there's a spectrum. We're slightly on the pragmatic side, so it works better for us for there to be some closed elements of the design, um, and it's just the way it is. Um, and, and, we, and it doesn't hurt us particularly. It doesn't. It doesn't pain us particularly that that's the case because it helps us build a more effective platform for what we, we perceive to be our, our core target audience. Um, and, and so, so we have we there's occasionally a little bit of a uh, there's occasionally a little bit of a disconnect there. Um, but you know, I think the fact that we, as individuals in the organisation, are quite representative of our target market. Um, if something is fun, well, it's to me. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, if something's now fun to the you know, forty people inside the organisation, it seems like a good idea to those people. Um, then it's, there's likely to be a constituency for it you know, out, out in the world. Yeah, and you've kept your company pretty small, correct? So like, how many, well, yeah. how many, how many people work in your group? Uh, so we have, so, um, we're a not-for-profit, so we're a, a charitable foundation. Um, the charitable foundation owns a trading subsidiary and I run the trading subsidiary. So I, I founded the, um, the foundation. Um, uh, and I, I now, I ran the foundation for a little while, um, in the executive capacity. Um, but I don't anymore. And we have a chap called Philip Colligan, um, who joined us a little over two years ago to run the foundation. Uh, the family is about eighty people, so it's quite quite large actually. Mm. Um, but he joined us; it was five, so he's kind of grown. <laughs> it's kind of this enormous, enormous headcount growth, um, which has come along with enormous ability to do cool stuff like running off to school clubs and teach training and stuff. Right. Um, the bit I run the trading subsidiary now, so I run Osprey Trading. Uh, I think we have forty-one employees, not counting me. Uh, forty-one, forty, somewhere between forty and forty-two. Um, and we have somebody starting tomorrow morning, actually, which I oh. think will give us 42, which is a good, uh, a good Cambridge number. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, I went to St. John's College, which is the college that I was at, so I went to. So, so to have a 42 employee company feels yeah, uh, it's a lot. It's but I mean, you look at other organizations that have shipped equivalent numbers of, of hardware, of computer, yeah, they are larger than 42 people. And we've only become 42 people very recently. I mean, with the yeah. ago, we were under 30 people. Um, so, so, so most of the headcount's been added recently to do two years. And if you were just selling software, you could probably pare that down by four times, you know, cause, uh, I was the same. Hard, I brought hardware is hard. The yeah. hardware is, hardware is, is, is difficult to do and comes with exciting challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Russian roulette making hardware. Yeah. I mean, the more people you get in your, in your crew, the, the, I mean, the tougher it is to manage, you know, and if everybody has that, you know, it sounds, I mean, I like the fact that there's a, there's a clear path and your path is not convoluted. Obviously your foundation, you're not, you're not really worried about money, but you like to keep the thing, you know, rolling along and developing and growing and being, yeah. and keeping the price point at $35 American is to me Fair still mind boggling because everything gets more expensive in life and your, your yeah. computers are getting better and they're staying the same price. That's yeah. And obviously you know, inflation is a, inflation is a thing. So, uh, so in real terms there, I don't know what the, um, what, uh, us, us inflation calculator. Uh, 
was just going to have a quick look and see uh, inflation calculator. Find the dollar's value. If I if in if in 2012, I put, this is useful calculator. Yeah, I purchased a, a product for thirty-five dollars, and in 2017, thirty-seven. So it's been seven point four percent inflation in the U.S. So, so, so your thirty-five dollars is now. 37.6. You would expect if we just tracked inflation to be 30, the original product to be 37.60 mm. um, now in, uh, in the US. Um, so instead, it's still $35. And of course, it runs 12 times as fast and has four times as much RAM as one. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's, that's, that's the, that's, it, it's a couple of things. It's Moore's law. Uh, and it's also um, uh, economies of scale and production experience. Yes. Um, so, we just learned a lot about how you build Raspberry Pis. Yeah. Now, more um, is that the thing where is it is it the growth to um, explain that? Because I think I don't want to try to explain it to you because you know what it is. Um, there's a there's a hardware to soft. There's a hardware. Are we coming up to a plateau of where we can only? Interesting question. That's that's the most interesting question. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so my entire life, you know, we we both have lived in a in a in this bizarre era of exponential growth. Um, that, uh, where you know. Whenever it is 1970, Gordon Moore at Intel notices that um, the number of transistors. So, so I think in its purest form, it's that the number of transistors that you can fit on an integrated circuit, on the largest fabricatable integrated circuit, um, roughly doubles every two years. Um, that was later revised to 18 months. But um, the, the the key the key realization is that is that what that turns into is them becoming cheaper because um, at least until very, re- very recently, what cost you in silicon was area. And anything you could do to reduce area, um, reduce cost. Um, so if you can fit twice as many, it costs, you, it costs you a certain amount of money to make a square millimeter of silicon. And if you can fit twice as many things in that square millimeter, those things cost half as much. Um, and, and that's been the thing that's powered everything you see around you. Uh, all of the cool computer technology has been powered by that process. Now, there are both economic and physical reasons why that 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 process is has to be coming to an end and or may already have come to an end for certain classes of product um and um uh, but certainly you know raspberry pi has benefited from well our, our main processor has remained on, on single process node on, on tsmc 40 lp um so we haven't gained more sort of advantage really on the on the core silicon but certainly memory has got cheaper mm-hmm. as we've gone from i don't know what process node our memory will have been on originally but it will, will have been on the of the order of 40 nanometer process of 40x nanometer process and our current memory is on a 20x nanometer process um so yeah we, people say well how have you managed to fit you know from 256 megagram to a gig of ram in your product have you done that well the transistors are smaller in the ram um, and, and that's that's helped. So we've seen some advantage from Moore's Law. A lot of it's been production advantage, though. A lot of it's been, you know, a lot of the silicon stays the same. You know, it's just economies of scale. You know, you're a bigger purchaser, so you get better prices, uh, or you are a bigger, um, uh, you're making more, so you can just, justify more capital expenditure, more investment in equipment to automate processes, to take labor costs out, um, or you just get better at doing it, so you just can design it in a way that, you know, will work around the expenses. Well. Um, so there's, there's lots of lots of lots of fun there. It makes uh well you by creating so many uh so many neat little 
I mean, so many raspberry pies, it also helps the, somebody else who's starting up who says, I think I can do that because it draw, would drive the price down a little bit based mm-hmm. on the demand, you know? So if you're, you're buying up a whole bunch of chips, then some upstart company wants to buy some chips. I, I mean, I don't know how that type of business works, but I, I mean, I think we're, I think we're small. Well, I think we're small enough that I don't think our impact on, I don't, I don't think we, I think we need to be two orders of magnitude bigger mm-hmm. um, for us to be starting to have that kind of, kind of, loosely coupled influence but um so certainly the one thing we have been helpful for for small companies is small companies can build their product on top of rough yes and that's been that's been a big boom well that's sort of what i've just like i was telling you before uh before um when we were emailing backwards and forwards is that i i developed a little box that just plays chimes that are in our theater saying ding dong <laughs> welcome to the theater it's going to be opening so that thing's getting used 340 times a year and it saves somebody having to go, you know, and put in a CDR and queue up the track and perhaps play the wrong track. It has buttons with numbers on. Actually, hold on one second. This is the companion piece to it. So uh, that's very cool. So it plays. There's a morning, afternoon, and an evening, and then there's five, ten, fifteen, uh, one minute, and then remaining. Then there's another button, a box that goes off that plays like more chimes. So but I mean, isn't that, isn't that interesting, right? Because because you've got um you've saved someone some time yeah exactly i've always been really interested in with technology is is the the bit where you can't measure how helpful that's been (laughs) um using conventional economic statistics right so you know fundamentally canada is a better place because of that (laughs) <laughs> you know, an infant and all, and all, you know, sure. everything that has ever been accomplished is, is a stacking of infinitesimal gains, right? Um, but yeah, it's infinitesimally better. But you, the GDP of Canada didn't go up because we did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are one of the kind of really exciting things outside of Raspberry Pi for me at the moment is this idea that we are struggling to reconcile this kind of industrial era, um, uh, these industrial era um, techniques we have for measuring how successful our country our countries are you know, how um we are we're unable to reconcile the numbers that are coming out of that with the the, the change in people's quality of lives and one of the things i sort of find really nice about raspberry pi are those just thousands of little things that mm-hmm. people do with them that each of them just helps a little bit and of course you know we ship millions and millions of raspberry pies and if each one of those is is making a little tiny contribution to saving someone having to put a cdr in a thing or yeah. you know Helping somebody be happy that their house is secure because they can SSH into it from. Oh else. yeah, the smart intelligent homes is a new is a whole other thing now. People are afraid yeah. so much now that they have to have like cameras on every corner, and I mean that. Yeah, I mean that's a whole other conversation. What? Yeah. How, how do you how do you reconcile that? How do you how do you resolve that into into how do you measure the benefit from that? It's it's, it's, I, it's a challenge. The only thing that I can think about is back in the times when they had like the in the in the shopping malls they had the security guards. Mm-hmm. Well, the security guards back when I was a kid they kind of looked a little schlubby. They had like bad suits and they had like sort of polyester look and they, this greasy hair and they kind of looked like kind of more degenerate than the people they're trying to bust. <laughs> and these guys need, I mean, seriously, more cops need to get better PR agents. But yeah, so. absolutely. But they did, you see, because then what they did is started modeling the sort of the militant approach by wearing flak jackets and having mace and being intimidating and scary. I mean, and that, it, to me, the only thing I can say when it comes to house monitoring, if someone's going to come and steal all my stuff, 
it's my fault. I should be more prepared to be ready to part with it because it's yeah. not. It's it's not an if. It's when. You know what I mean. Someone's That's gonna... it. It's a Buddhist thing, right? You know, you should. You should attachment is the uh, yeah, attachment is the, uh, the the enemy of happiness. Yeah, but but if, if I put I've, I don't want to be the crazy person when you come up. It looks like a like Fort Knox, like where it's got the cameras and the and the, you know and the fence and the because that just says I got something really cool in here and yeah. uh, I don't want you coming in here. Maybe I, I'm a spy. One thing I have. I have a MacBook Air. I have I have really one thing that would grieve me if I mean I've you know I've got a wedding. Yeah. Uh, but you know I really have, you know in terms of actual objects I have really one or two things that I would be unhappy to, um, Part to, with. to run back into a building into a burning building for. Yeah. Uh, I mean I have people I'd run back into. Of a course. Building. Yeah. Yeah. But um, you know and I think that's that's I like that. That's how that's how I want in my life. But, uh, yeah. Um. Where were we going? Oh, the. Uh... The simplicity part of it. Um, well, you'd be surprised. You know, I mean, I'm sure you. You know, you'd be surprised on how many things that people make because it's so open that you can just sort of make stuff. And you know, I it's forever changed. I mean, I gotta. You know, I won't take too much more of your time, but it's forever changed how I think about technology. And and I'm sure there's a lot of people sort of rounding up to fifty, which is where I'm going. That can look at something and go, I wonder. I wonder how hard this can be, but you, as a person, you need to be able to sort of um, attack it, you know, and and be forth, you know, as 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 invested as you possibly can be into it, because if you just say, "Oh, it's just magic," then you're not going to, you know, you're not going to go forth and learn. You don't spend your life waiting for someone's permission, no, to 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 have the thing that you want to have, um, and that's and that's. I remember, you know, we row, uh, we have a a, 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 a Rossby Row rowing team. Um, I wrote, I don't wrote, I'm not very good at it, but you know, we, we, I've wrote for, for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And I remember wanting to build um, some monitoring equipment to um, to kind of watch the boat while we were rowing and tell us when we were out of time or, you know, if we were sure. pushing the oil too much or, you know, um, maybe, you know, and I wanted to build this stuff. And I look at it, uh, I remember this was 2009, 2010. You're like, oh, it's going to be such a massive pain to build this stuff. Um, you know, you, there's just so much stuff you need to do you wouldn't be able to get even a little proof of concept inside of a month and, mm-hmm. and that's why i didn't do it um and um you know we, we it, things like raspberry Pi. it's not just raspberry Pi. It's things like arduinos obviously the classic in this area things that reduce friction things that make it easier for you to go from having an idea to not making the best version of the idea but you know the, the first version um that you can then iterate and improve on um, are, are they're really important in terms of unlocking people's creativity and giving people you know a way, a way to do this stuff? It's the little steps you you go along the way. You learn at the beginning, sort of like you have to sort of understand, like, and limit yourself to like what is possible first. But the best part of it is once you start expanding on your toolbox of knowledge. I mean, this is all just human nature stuff. But some people don't. They want to invent the next best, most amazing thing first. Rather than go through the motions. And you look at Raspberry Pi, it's, uh, you know, 2012, we could barely make a simple little Raspberry Pi. And you look at Raspberry Pi 3, and that's a very sophisticated piece of kit with a radio in it and, um, you know, a bunch of fairly high end processing kit. Um, so, you know, we couldn't have built that product in 2012. Yeah. Because we didn't have the people. We didn't right. have the people with no experience. And that's, that's common, I think, for everyone who's doing anything in this kind of thing. I read something about a Google integration into the new Pi coming f- going forward. Is that is that a rumor? Is that 
Um, well, I mean, there are we, we do a lot of work with Google in, in a lot of different ways. Um, the, um, the, the most obvious one is we have a, these ARY projects. So we have the voice and vision ARY projects, and those are accessories. They're not they're not part of the core Raspberry Pi device, but they are kind of closely coupled accessories that add kind of AI capabilities, the ability to recognize voice, so effectively to build a uh, um, a Google Home, uh, the equivalent of a Google Home, and the, the Vision Kit, which Ant's account will, which uses our camera and a, um, a, a neural network acceleration um, IC to build um, something which is like, I believe the product's called Clips. There's a, there's a, a recently launched Google product called Clips, which is a kind of always on camera that you can um, you put somebody that recognizes things and tries to take pictures of things like that. So you know, your child walks past and will take pictures of your mm-hmm. account. Um, so, so, so yeah, those are, those are both great things we do with Google. Neither of them are part of the core product, but they are both, um, fun. <laughs> well, you know, I won't, like I said, I won't take too much of your time. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, and you know, I, like I said in the very beginning, I, I enjoy music. I enjoy listening to it. Uh, but I also enjoy technology and how it can expand people's brains to take just normal, learning things technology you can take that into life i mean we're all have to embrace it i mean we're all getting older but we also have to understand where we're going to be heading in the next hundred years or so awesome well thank you very much uh, thank you very much for having me on this uh, been been great to have a chance to chat about what about raspberry pi and other things and that was mr eben upton creator and founder of the raspberry pi and raspberry pi foundation that was fun it was great i uh one day, like I said, I'm going to jump on a plane and fly somewhere and do an interview with like a, a person like Evan, who's that's there's no real reason. Why. I just think it's amazing that someone made a computer. That's all I do. I totally think that's that's incredible. Uh, I would like to make a computer, but I just don't have the knowledge. Okay, so everybody, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks to Evan for doing the show. Thank you to Bose All Natural for being the sponsor. And thank you for going to Patreon and supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash Pod. Thank you for shopping on Amazon. It's been a great December. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people buying stuff on Amazon in December. Uh, it's good to see. But keep it up because Amazon doesn't close after February. It stays open all year round. And that's kind of how I've been supporting the show. And it's been very good. It's been pretty good. I'm going to... Uh, same thing. Maybe I'll put that into the, into the fund that I'll fly in a plane and go interview an interesting person in another country. I think that's it. I don't have any more things to say. I know that this has been a great the year. The past year has been great for the podcast. It's been awesome. I still really love doing this show. And it's been one of the most amazing experiences of my life because I get to meet interesting, exciting people who I normally wouldn't just meet if I just wanted to. I mean, how about, I mean, it'd be kind of neat if people just reach out to people and say, I want to meet you. And they go, okay. <laughs> I guess that happens. Thanks for listening to the show. We will see you all again next week. I have a great one set up with a band, uh, and I'm not going to tell you who it is because it's going to be a secret. Okay? So I'll see you all next week. Have a good one. Bye.